0: Steve, welcome to the podcast. If you could just uh, start off by giving us a quick run through of your career journey so far. Sure.
1: So I'll give you the highlight reel. So I studied engineering, mechanical engineering in Dublin at UCD, and then I went straight into McKinsey because... I didn't really have much of an idea of what I wanted to do, but McKinsey seemed cool at the time. So I went into that Um, was there for a few years. And then by 24, I had actually left McKinsey and I went to a startup. So I went to a health tech startup and I was head of marketing there and actually helped grow that into a unicorn. And then I decided I wanted to move to Australia. So I moved away from Dublin, came all the way out here to Sydney and wanted to do the whole startup life again. So I really liked that. And so I did. So I went back joined another startup. I was like the seventh employee and um, was head of marketing and growth there and helped grow that into another unicorn and like over 500 people. So it was like this crazy, crazy ride. Um, and then personally, it was great. So by 27, like I was an exec at that company and we kind of achieved this like $1.6 billion valuation. And so, uh, yeah, it was that was amazing. So I've kind of had this mix of like McKinsey and then startups, but then kind of about a year ago, that all changed, and I kind of took a shift and and started to do something different, um, which I can talk about as well if that's helpful.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, let's let's uh let's focus on what you're up to right now, which is um where well, you've done the Two Roads podcast, and um and, and with the Two Roads podcast comes a a course which you've been working on um and compiling all the the value and uh, and lessons that you've learned from interviewing these amazing people. Um, and that's called the Divergence Programme. So if you could just tell us a little bit more about that and and why why you've got to head with this route. Yeah, 100%. So so I built
1: Divergence Programme to help people actually figure out what career is best for them. And the reason I built it was because I kind of wished that I had had this for myself like many years ago. Um, so, you know, I when I was in school, when I was in uni, I'd gone to see guidance counselors or talk to these kinds of people and honestly they were all useless like they never gave me any helpful insights to actually figure out what it is that i wanted to do so i was like completely on my own trying to figure this out and what i realized is um like it's really important like it's really important what you do for your job like you're going to spend ninety thousand hours of your life at work right it's a really long time and there's some stats about how many people actually like their job and don't, and so it's like two thirds of people in the U.S. don't like their job, and 15% of it actually like despise what they do for work. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous that so many people don't like what they do. And I think the, one of the main reasons is because like people don't know how to figure out what it is that they want to do, what they're good at, and like what fits in with their life. And so. That's why I wanted to build this program. And I'd also realized just from like talking to friends and stuff, I had so many friends who are like, either students who are in their 20s, who are like either coming out of college or already in a graduate role who are like, is this it? Like, is this just what I'm going to do for the rest of my life now? Like, I kind of thought I was going to do something more meaningful that made me more satisfied. Um, and so there's a lot of people just like stuck and they'd know where to go. So they'd know, they'd know like process to actually figure out what it is, what they want to do. And to kind of take, take you back to my journey. So when I left the last startup a year ago, I took some time off. I bought a Jeep Wrangler, converted it and drove across Australia, living out of it for like four months. And for me, this was the time to figure out what I wanted to actually do. And I kind of found like a process that works. So I read like a shit ton of books. I like listened to all the podcasts, like you know, talk to a ton of people, everything. And from that, I figured out actually there's like, like anything, there is a framework, there is a process that you can use to figure out what type of career that you want to do. And so I was like, okay, I've done it for myself. I was like, I think a lot of people would find this really helpful. Why don't I package this up and and make it available to to other people so they can do the same thing.
0: Yeah, and uh, obviously your your own journey and your own learnings is, uh, yeah, Mate is a big reason why the program would stand out and why people would be curious in, in taking it. But what would you really like for the people who take your course to to feel and 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 have learned coming coming out of the the back of it? I think there's I think there's two things. So
1: one is when you're thinking about what you want to do with your career, that's like a really agonizing like anxiety provoking kind of thought and that like, I was stuck in that for a really long time so you're just like what should I do what should I do it's always on the back of your mind you're at work you kind of know it's not for you You've got all these questions, you're going on holidays and you're like, oh, I should really make a change, but I don't know what it is I want to do. Or if you're a student, you're like trying to figure all of this out and everyone's asking you, what are you going to do when you graduate? And you don't know. And so I think the first thing that I would hope for people to get from this course is like clarity on what they want to do and get rid of that feeling of anxiety and agonizing over trying to make this decision. And then I think the second thing is, is like you leave with this like toolkit where you realize that hey look I might do something and I might do it for the next few years but the reality is that I'm going to change what I do over the course of my life over the course of my career like I'm like no pretty much nobody like goes into a job now at like 22 and sits there until like they're 62 like that doesn't happen anymore and so like you need to be able to like constantly evolve and like switch things up and figure out like what's the next iteration of it for you and so like the course will, will give you like the clarity for now but then it also like gives you like a toolkit so you can figure out, okay, well, if in six, if in twelve months' time, if in twenty-four months' time, I need to like shift things, remove them a little bit. Like I now have the toolkit to like realize how I can do that, and I don't have to go back to the drawing board. And so those would be kind of like the two things that I would hope people would like take away from the course.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, an, an announcement here is that we're actually teaming up together to, uh, to sort of tailor this not to be just people looking to change their career. But also to help students be a bit more proactive and finding something they want from the get-go. Not not that they'll have all the answers, but you know that that lack of awareness and that similar mission that we're trying to do with uh, helping people understand there's not just one way to your career. There's not just one great company to get employed by after university. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, I I feel like the divergence, the name divergence, it sort of implies that. Your know, your career can take those can split off into two different roads, and just because you've taken one doesn't mean you you can't go back to another or explore other other roads. Um, and I wonder what learnings you've made in your from your own career and you know, doing this podcast and doing your course that you wish that you would have been able to implement at a younger age. So that you know, advice for students on, on why thinking about these things a few years before they actually happen is a beneficial thing
1: yeah yeah i think i used to have this belief right that i would just like pick my pick my job pick my career what is that i wanted to do until when i was a student this is mckinsey and then i would like fit my life in around that so Most important thing was job. I'd go and be a McKinsey consultant and then I'd figure out all the things that I would do for hobbies or where I would live or like relationships and all that sort of stuff I would like then fit around my job. And that's like the complete backwards way to do it, right? This may sound like super obvious, but like don't choose your job. And then fit your life around that. Like, choose the life that you want to live first, and then choose your job and career that goes into that. Now, I know that might sound like a bit like woo-woo or whatever, but like, that's the biggest thing that I wish I had known. Um, And that requires you to kind of be honest with yourself, do a bit of self-reflection, and figure out like, like what's important to you from a life perspective. This is actually like one of the things that I do in the course is this like concept of like. um, like a life view so basically get people to like think about look what does a good life mean to you like you know what's the role of work within that life do you want to be you know is work like super something that's really super important and at the core of what you want to do for a living and if that's the case like you know then maybe you do want to be working long hours or you know or prioritizing work but for a lot of people it's not for a lot of people like actually the most important thing is you know maybe what they their friends or their family or like their relationship or um or a certain hobby that they have that they're really into and so like you need to make sure that if you pick your life the life that you want to live first then you p- can pick a career and a job that's like not in conflict with that Because a lot of time what happens is like you get this conflict and this has happened to me right i didn't know this at the time but like where i derive a lot of sense of meaning and life and, and joy from my life is like the things that i do outside of work right specifically like hobbies like i love playing rugby i love going surfing uh, i love being able to go camping at the weekends um i love just being able to like hang out with friends and go for dinner on like a midweek you know on a tuesday or whatever Uh, that's where i derive a lot of like value and satisfaction and then i chose a job at mckinsey that like i would fly out of dublin airport at like 5 a.m on a monday morning and i wouldn't be back in dublin until like 11 p.m on a thursday night so like i couldn't do any of those things like it just so you have got this like big conflict between like what you do and where you want to derive value from um and that's obviously not a good formula so i think that would be one i've probably got others but that would be like one meta point that i think people should should try and think about i think it's like it is a little bit hard right when you're at that stage but um if you can think about that and then fit a career into the life you want to live rather than the end um it's a better formula for success
0: yeah i think this, this all comes under the sort of the word of feeling of, of fulfilled and, and i it's a really hard thing to try and achieve at university. and something that I struggle with as well, where there's a lot of sort of go over the flow and, 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 you know, it's not really real life, is it, it's a university. It's uh, There's no structure to it. There's no accountability. There's no one telling you what you should and shouldn't do. And I think that when that is present, you know, in the schooling system, and then you just get suddenly dropped by yourself, I think a lot of people just decide to, go with what everyone else is doing and, and follow the crowd and because because it's easier um and you don't necessarily do um hobbies or passions because you want to but more because you know everyone else is i've got to meet everyone else i've got to drink with everyone else and and i think yeah it it's probably not as obvious until after university that you weren't as happy as you could be when you have those passions in, in your life so you know if we if we Talk about this in a sort of more career-oriented sense. Mm -hmm. How important do you think it is for that job to also be a passion of yours? Like, can you purely get by by just being able to give yourself time to do things you're passionate outside of, or is it important for both to, you know, complement each other? Yeah, it's. um This is actually a tough question,
1: and 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 I'm I'm split on this one, right? So, well, here's what I think. I don't think you have to be passionate about what you do, right? And and there's actually a lot of like research and data that will suggest that. Um, I think you need to like, you know, to come back to what we were talking about earlier. The important thing is like to figure out for you what that is. I have met to like do a job that they just they're not passionate about. Like it's not in the areas that they're, they're interested in at all um but you know the kind of view that they have on the world is that like look work isn't supposed to be the place where i like express and follow my passions and and that's okay right i've other people who like you know other friends who who that's not the case for like their their view on life is that actually work really is about like doing something that i'm passionate about um and so for them then you know they're the type of people that really do need to be in a work that they that they care about and and I think the most important thing is to find out what it is, what that is for you. Are you the type of person who actually really needs that thing that you're passionate about in to be your work or or not? But I think there's a lot of pressure put on people to do something that they're really passionate about. And I don't think that pressure should be there. I think people should feel free to do something they're not passionate about and that that's OK and that they can you know follow those passions outside of work. And also like the kind of data suggests that it's not that important. There's other things that are more important in terms of having a satisfying job. And the interesting thing as well is like about what what passion actually means or like the role of it. So often, or, or, or how passion like develops. So sometimes what happens is rather than passion coming first and then we going into a job because of that, and then us becoming good at it and enjoying it. Oftentimes it happens the other way around. So we go into a job and if we just find it like interesting, right? Maybe we're not like passionate about like the cause. We're like, oh, huh, this is interesting. And then we start to get good at it. And it's aligned with our natural strengths. And then after maybe a year or two or a couple more, we're like really good at it. Right? Then often the passion comes at the end. Because we're really good at this thing and like we've gotten ourselves into it and we know a lot about it and you know it's aligned with our strengths. And so often like passion can like develop. It doesn't need to be this like innate thing where it's just like, I'm really passionate about the environment. So like I have to go and work in like some sort of climate change company. It can often happen the other way around, which
0: is not many people think of it. I think one thing that can happen as well, which I want to touch on and, and see if you have any advice on potentially how you can avoid the situation is, is finding a passion and then letting a manager or someone else in the company or just the wrong situation, strip that from you. Um, and, and, you know, that doesn't you know necessarily mean, okay, I'm in a company and I'm, I know that I enjoy, let's say marketing, but I'm not enjoying how they're letting me do marketing. How do you like have the wearable um, within a job to try and like really just do it for yourself? And and maybe it's things outside the job, like what are some important things for people to to keep doing and remind themselves, say you were at McKinsey, but then you went into the startup world. There must've been some overlap or, or something in your brain that was like, okay, there's cool things I'm doing in McKinsey, but I wanna see how that might play out with a little bit more empowerment in a startup situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what exactly is the question? So it's like, how can you? How can, like if you're in that situation where you've got kind of got a manager who's not letting you like, you know, do things that, the way you want to do, or is it more kind of
0: around like, um, how did I think about like kind of my move, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think, well, let's, let's take one at a time because I think they're yeah. both important things to touch on. But yeah, to start with, it's like, you know, maybe, yeah, the, the whole point of a management or, or a company that's maybe not letting you embrace that passion the way you want to. How do you deal with that situation?
1: Yeah, I think that's tough, like, first of all. Um I think. Do you know what, like, I I think there's, like, a healthy bit of just, like, understanding actually how far you can push it, right? So I think, like, when we kind of first, in our first jobs, like, in the first, you know, year or two, we kind of think, like, the manager and, like, the company, like, they just say exactly what we have to do. And then we have to, like, toe the line. And I think the reality is you can actually be a bit more rebellious than you think. Like, no one's going to fire you, you know, for, like, pushing the boat, like... A, like, a little bit further than, than they may want you to. So that would be the first thing. I think if you've got a manager who's always saying, like, hey, no, like, you have to do it this way. And you're like, but, like, that's that's stupid. Like, that's not the way I want to do it. Like, um, you know, understand, like, where they're coming from. Like, maybe they have, like, a really legitimate point that you should, like, that they're right. But, like, if you don't think they're right, like, maybe, like, push it a little bit and say, well, okay, okay, fine, fine. But, like, why don't I, let me go off and, like, do this anyway right I'll, I'll i'll do it your way first but on the side of my table i'm gonna do it my way and i'm gonna come back and just like show you just to see like hey look this is what we could do like what do you think about this like you know i've done it your way so like don't worry about that i've got that done but like i'm kind of gonna push the boat a bit and like show you maybe be a bit provocative um, and and see what you think right so i think you have a lot more room to actually like follow your passions within work then like we think when we start and you'll see this right so if you see like when if if i'm working or if i remember like when i was like just a fresh graduate like everyone's like real buttoned up and like they kind of like align themselves really well to like whatever the culture is in that work and they don't want to step out of line and then the older and older you get and the more experience you get like you'll see people doing like crazy shit that you would think that as a graduate, you're like, if I did that, I would get fired, you know, but actually you've a lot more freedom than you probably think when you, when you first join and you can explore that freedom and that can help you get away from those like, you know, conflicts. If you're not able to like follow your, do stuff the way that you want to do.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot, a lot of sense. And, uh, I guess going on to, onto the next point, it just, you know, making that move, from corporate the startup like you did I mean <laughs> there's all this sort of debate that goes on and say a student's head about you know, maybe the, the reliability and the exits that come with a, a corporate career at least to begin with and then on the startup side yeah maybe you have a bit more empowerment um, but you know you don't even know if the company's gonna go bust in you know, a month's time of working there or you, you can't predict like what your actual work days are gonna look like how to benchmark achievements or success within it you know th- there's there's so many different things to consider when when making that first step i mean yeah what's your your experience uh, and, and advice to anybody uh trying to make that decision right now so i think the number
1: one thing that you have to optimize for, for like your first row out of uni is your ability to learn and so is this an environment where you have the exposure to things that you can learn from are you going to have a manager who's going to spend time with you and coach you and develop you are you going to have like the culture within the organization that's going to invest in you and actually focus on on giving you more skills and improving you and that can happen at a you know large corporate or it can happen at a startup, but the first thing you need to evaluate if you're looking at either option is how good is this company gonna be at helping me to learn and helping me to develop, right? And so if you look at both corporate and startups, they're gonna have like different profiles for that. So what I would say is you look at corporates, pretty much all of them will do a good job at this. Right, there's a lot less variability because they're all going to have like actual graduate schemes and you know they're big enough that they'll be able to focus on this kind of thing and they'll have the systems in place um, but then startups you're taking more risk when it comes to like their ability to do it because sometimes they might have the resources sometimes they won't but what i would say is the the variability is much higher which means that if you get a great start-off You're going to be way higher than, like, you know, a a good corporate in terms of like your ability to learn. So, what you need to do is if you're going down the startup route, though, you need to be way more, do, do a lot more diligence on them because you don't have this assurance that they're going to fit within like the kind of corporate bracket. So, if you're going in there, I would say if you're considering it, you ask a Shit, ton more questions. Really figure out what they're like. Who exactly you're going to be working with? Like, not all startups are the same. I think that's like a really big thing to notice as well. Everything gets thrown into this like startup bucket. It's like once it's not a corporate, it's a startup. Um, but there's a huge difference between a seed stage start, seed stage startup, and a Series C startup. A seed startup that actually could go bust within a year. A Series C startup, it's very unlikely that that's going to go bust within a year. And they're going to have way more of those like systems in place at that time. They're a way more mature company. And so you can't treat them all the same. Like you have to look at them very, very differently, right? Um, The the one thing I would say is like, if you get in, you know, I think actually cor- like there, there's a lot of cases to be made for like good corporates. Like if you can get in there, if they've got good graduate programs, especially like, you know, the McKinsey's of this world, right? And if you're at that, I'll be honest, if you're at that, level it's an amazing place to start your career because that learning environment is just so incredible and you'll build this incredible toolkit even if you want to do startups like do a couple of years there and and then get out um but the great thing about startups is if you're like a worker and you think you can produce results the the acceleration that you can get within a startup is like way higher you don't need to you won't have to wait for these like you know okay after two years you get promoted after another two years you get promoted to a manager or whatever else that doesn't happen in startups if you're good and you go in and you produce results you just get jobs i've seen this all the time like young guys young girls getting like ridiculous jobs super early in their career but you have to perform right there's a lot more focus and performance and like if you go in and like your shit like it's more likely you're going to get kicked out.
0: And um, when you went on to then start your own thing or, or or just find out what you were truly passionate about and you said that you're out, did you feel like when you were in startups, this idea that, oh, maybe I, I could do this myself? Like, you know, I think somebody in a startup, they probably tarnished with a brush of like, oh, they must be a bit more entrepreneurially minded. But... I don't think that's necessarily true. There are people that could be equally as corporate in terms of I like working for other people and being part of a team, and then there are also people within a startup that could be like, oh, like, I want something of my own. I want to build something. Mm-hmm. Identifying that in in yourself, I th- I think it is really important. Like, and and something I've been trying to do from the early ages is, is, what position within a team do you like being like? You know, do you like being the, the leader or do you like following the instructions? What's your uh, sort of experience of that being? Yeah, so this, this is
1: really tough, like, actually to figure out, I think. Um, there was a point, like, when I probably when I just left McKinsey, where I thought my path was going to be, right, I'm going to do a few years here at this startup. I'm going to, like, learn the ropes about what it's like to to run a startup i was working super closely like with the founders um and so i was like i'll do that and then in a few years i'm going to get out i'm going to start my own i'm going to raise venture capital money you know and i'm going to be the next you know superstar brian chesky like founder of airbnb whatever else it is and then when i started to see what it actually looked like over time i was like this is not for me actually this is not the kind of role that I want to have and the tough thing about that is like it required me to be really honest with myself because the reality is like my ego wanted the other thing my ego wanted to be like the venture-backed like really successful founder but then when I was really honest with myself I would look at the life of like the founders that I work closely with and I was like is this what you actually want and the answer for me was no like i you know I, w- I would work with these guys and they were just like there's like work all the time like all the time all the all the time like you know they'd have both of the vendors fa- that i worked with like during it like they had um you know they they had kids like with their with their partners like young kids like had a new baby and then like they'd be away on holidays like a month after having like a new baby like to just like relax with their partner and their new kid and then they'd be on the phone to me on like a sunday afternoon and i was like how's your holiday been and they're like What holiday? Like I have just been working all the time. And I'm like, fuck that. I do not want that with my like that is not the life I want to live, you know? So um and that's it's a little bit hard, right? When you have to let go of something that like you've wanted for a while because it kinda gets built into like your ego as well. Um and then also being honest with yourself about other other things, right? So in my last job I was like head of a department, so I was like managing like a lot of people like underneath me. And I realize actually managing really large teams is something that I don't particularly enjoy. Right? Like, is that because
0: you actually stop doing the job that you were good at before? Like sometimes with being promoted to a manager, it's like, oh, well done! Like you got this new management role. You know, great, but then you don't actually realize the consequences of what that does to your day to day. One hundred percent, one hundred
1: percent. I think you nailed it. Um. And and the problem is like if you're an, if you're an ambitious like person right if you're like a high achiever when you look at like okay how do I progress it usually looks like getting promoted into managerial or like leadership roles and most of the time that comes at managing people and so you just accept it you just say, like oh this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go and like manage people now um, but very few people ask the questions like well would I enjoy that like am I gonna enjoy what my day to day looks like when I get promoted. And yeah, I I stopped. You know, I did less and less of like the job, and like more and more of managing the people. And like that's what you have to do, right? If you're like a people leader. Um, but I realized, like, I I I didn't enjoy like managing such large teams like that. Like, I found it quite quite drained. Like, if I looked at my week, right? So, like, one of the biggest things I do is like, um, I do this kind of within the course as well. It's like if you think about your job. And like, okay, would I like this job or that job? A lot of the times we just think of it on on the high level of like the role, the company, whatever. But what actually matters is how are you going to spend your time? Like if you look at a given week, like what is your, what are your hours spent doing? What are those activities? And do you enjoy those or not? Like, do you find them engaging? And when I look at what my week looks like when I'm managing large teams, it's a lot of time just like talking to other people like you know on one-to-ones like yes you're managing your own team but you're also managing up you're managing like, like i worked i was reporting to ceo so it's like i'm managing him i'm also managing horizontally so like all of my peers who are in the other departments you need to maintain relationships with them and so my week looked like just a shit ton of one-to-ones like talking and like managing people and i don't like that I was like i don't want to do
0: that anymore <laughs> i find it very draining it's, it's interesting because if you look at um say a top talent uh in on on youtube or in a creative space they get really good and, and really big really quick and they hire a manager for them because you know I, and when you look at maybe a bit more industry-based things you know you get the corporate the startups it's, it's strange that that same thing doesn't almost apply. Where like, if you if you've grown the company or been recognised for doing something really well, you know, why would you then want to you know maybe give them a management role? It, you'd almost want to manage them, you know, make sure that they have the most time to just keep excelling at what they're excelling at. For
1: for sure, for sure. I think I think companies are like starting to realise this a bit more, especially within disciplines like. Um, you know engineering or design or these kind of things so they have like two tracks right so you have like a managerial like leadership track which like you can go if you want to manage people then they also have like individual contributor tracks where they're like hey look you can continue to just like continue to get promoted right because the problem is they don't want to cap people out and they you know you don't want to just get to here and then say well okay you're an individual contributor but that means you're never going to get promoted again you're like well fuck this like what am i I doing like and so they have more and more i think especially as startups like these better individual contributor tracks where you can have like really senior people who are like excellent at what they do but they're just like i don't want to manage people and they're like that's fine
0: do your thing this interests me though why you know we're having this conversation and we're discussing like pretty important things to your well-being your lifestyle your future but then it is you just don't talk or hear about this at university it's just not something that comes up and I've been you know obviously in in the space that I'm in I've really been trying to work out why careers is such a taboo subject almost you know with your mates in the smoking area when you're out having a bit like people don't talk about their careers even though when I'm speaking to someone nowadays especially like I don't think there's anything more interesting or telling of somebody's energy or personality than hearing about what they do on a day-to-day basis and you know, it's almost like you know. I know a similar thing with what you're doing with your podcast is really trying to humanize people and 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 take their CV or their LinkedIn or whatever and show that they're just normal people as well that you know like to have fun as well. And yeah, I I just don't know. Do you have sort of any opinions on on why that might even might happen within education systems or at university or whatever that it just careers at least for the first two years university just gets lost in terms of the criteria of importance
1: Mm. yeah it's i don't i I don't really know um to be honest with you i like i put up a post this week on linkedin where i was kind of like here's you know it's kind of like here's how i thought my career would go versus here how it actually went right and there was nothing crazy in there and then i got a comment on it yesterday which was like Steve, thanks so much for like, your vulnerability and like sharing. It's obviously a nice comment. But I was like, vulnerability. I was like, I didn't think I was being that vulnerable. (laughs) Like, you know, this is just like what happened. But obviously, some people are like, Oh, my God, like, you're being open about like, you know, how you thought about your career. And at different points, like you were agonizing over what you were going to do next. And maybe it's because I kind of talk about this a lot now. But I was like, this isn't this I don't think this is me being vulnerable I think this is me just being completely normal and talking about what it's like to try and go through a process of figuring out what you want to do like I think absolutely everybody goes through this so like I don't think it's weird at all that I'm talking about it um you know in terms of like the education system in particular like I'm not really sure but I I think it's a real shame right because like universities like serves a few purposes but one of the main ones is to like set people up to try and get into a career that they that they're gonna enjoy and, and find meaningful. And so there should just like there has to be a bigger focus on it. Like I just think it's so unfair that you just come and you do your four year uni degree and then they chuck you out at the far side of it and it's like, okay, go like go swim in the world now, like right? figure it out for yourself. It's like I kinda thought this was what you were gonna help me with when I came in here four years ago.
0: Okay, well, you know, assuming that universities aren't going to do anything about it for anyone listening, um, and based on your experiences, or even like if you were to then go on to build a team, the kind of people that you would hire or people that stand out to you, what do you think are some things you can do at university that, you know, is completely unrelated to the traditional spring weeks, internships, uh, or, you know, even just like, societal positions or whatever like things that are just a little bit off script but at the end of the day they're the most important ones because they make you stand out right because most the most common response to when receiving a rejection email from a company is you know sorry like another candidate just pipped it and, and you but yeah, they won't tell you why or you know what it what it was exactly but i mean what would you think is, is some advice you'd give to somebody trying to get into their career path now yeah, so I think um
1: I'll first talk about like some of the things you can do to stand out and and then I'll I'll talk about maybe some tactical tips that you can do to 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 actually like find the career that it is that you want to do as well, right? So like firstly let's just talk about you you've kind of decided already the jobs you want to apply for. And I think it's like what you said, right? You gotta focus on that bottom third of your C V. That bit where you have like extracurricular activities or like additional information, whatever else it is. When I was at McKinsey, we would get like literally thousands of applications every year for internships or for graduate roles. And we'd sit there and you know the kind of recruitment team would get like the first pass at like all the CVs and then we would help to come in and like review them after that. But you've still got like hundreds and hundreds of CVs. And so we'd be like flicking through these and the reality is everyone's got great experience. Everyone's got good grades. Everyone's done like a spring internship somewhere else. So it's like they can, they can often look a lot of the same. And so it's really hard to choose one over another. And so what we start to do is like look further down the CV, right? To that section where it says extracurricular activities. And sometimes, just sometimes, you'd find something that like really stands out. You'd find this like gold in this like stack of CVs. And it would be something where, like, I'd be sitting there, and my colleague and I'd be like, would be beside me, and i be like, "Here, did you see this? This woman? Like, did you see what she did? Like, that's crazy. Like, that's so cool. Like, we should, you know, we should, we should get her in for an interview." You just um, want to meet them. Yeah, ex- exactly. You're just like this person. This person seems interesting, but I think it's two things, right? So we would look for like one is like, what's something interesting that like helps this person stand out, right? But then I think the second one is like. We would look for evidence of, like, significant, like, personal achievement, right? Has this person done something? It doesn't matter really what field it's in. It can be super obscure. But have they shown evidence that they're able to be outstanding in some field? Because if they can right? be... So how are hmm? you fare? It is a little bit, but usually if you've, if you've, if you've done it, It'll be easy to convey it, right? So, for example, like you see the randomest thing sometimes, but you know, um, you see a CV say from from a woman, and then then the very bottom she was like, "Oh, also like, um, I managed and ran like my family grocery shop for like five years when my parents were sick," and you're like, "Huh? Like, that seems really hard. Like, if if someone's actually done that, they they have something about them. They can, they can they can do shit." Um, And I'm sure that if I got them into McKinsey, like they would they would learn McKinsey like they learned how to run a grocery shop. Right. Or else it, it would be something like, oh, this person has written, you know, 500 blog posts about like Blackburn, like football club or something. And it's like, this is a bit weird, but I like it. Like this person obviously has something about them. And so that's what we're looking for it's like individual achievement and yeah in terms of how you portray it on the c v it's important but usually if you've done the thing it's um it, it it's pretty obvious like how how you should talk about it
0: so do you think maybe like too much emphasis is placed on people at university you know their first careers consultancy v is like you know make sure you're doing your spring week applications make sure you're doing this and less on like if you're saying for those examples of blogs on blackburn or whatever like that's like things that you're almost told in, or at least your your head tells you or your rabbit hole in there this is not going to lead to anything you create but something like that's the most separating thing ironically to anyone else
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. you should do the thing right if you're interested in it go and do it and and one, because it's fun, right? You're clearly like enjoying it if you're going to write 500 blog posts about a football club, right? Like there's obviously something there that you're obsessed with. Especially about- so, yeah, exactly. And so you should like pull on that thread and like see what comes out of it for you. But also like, this is, this is how you stand out, right? The other stuff is like table stakes. But we would see this all the time, like all the time. There would be people who would kind of tick all of the table state boxes with the internships and, you know, the grades and all that stuff. Um, And then like some rogue candidate would come along. He's like, maybe doesn't have all of them, but they've done some of these other interesting things and they'd rock up and, you know, they maybe, they haven't spent the last four years preparing to get into McKinsey, but they kind of rock up at the last minute. They're like, oh, this is, this is cool. Let me apply for this. And, And very often they're actually the people who, who get in and
0: get the job. Maybe I'm deep diving into this too much considering there's so much you've done. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's something that if anyone wants to find out more about exactly all your thoughts and and all the people you've met, obviously check out your podcast and and the Divergence program if you want to go in more depth with that. Um, But just on that sort of student specific, you know, making yourself stand out a bit more, I think even within university you've got these society roles and and, and that's everyone sees as extracurricular Like, and it might be like okay I was the president of my you know economic society or, or whatever and it's like that's still actually quite within the framework of what you might just you know scrolling through okay yeah done that with a society that with a society it's like one thing that you I mean you talked about your lifestyle your dream lifestyle being where you're, you're sort of constantly cl- like meeting up with your mates and collaborating and doing fun things and i think sort of having that zest for life which i think at times you might lose when you're at university because for whatever reasons like lifestyle or um yeah maybe not achieving what you want in your grades and, and a subject that maybe you're not as interested in there's, there's loads of things that can get in the way of you just enjoying life right but i think i've definitely found that with myself is that I couldn't have just gone from not feeling like I was really doing much of a history degree to all of a sudden like I'm doing a podcast and I'm well you know interviewing this person like there were in between in between steps literally like learning how to TJ like have feeling like there was something alongside your studies or even you know you can use the example of a job that was making you feel like you're moving somewhere you're like you're actually mm-hmm. achieving something and trying to get away from that like. The, the ways of achieving thing or attaining success, which, like, people just give you, I feel like that's a really important thing. So it, it it's really, my question is, say you lose all your passions, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're struggling, but you know you had them at one point, or you know you want to be passionate about something. How do you just, like, get yourself back on that track and start enjoying these extracurricular activities again? Yeah, yeah. I think...
1: Um... So I actually would love to hear like your story about how you transitioned from that as well, and like how the DJ thing happened. But I think like, um, you know, if, if thinking about this is like, you know, wh- why why are you, why are you not passionate about something like right now? And it's like you you may have just fallen out of it. Like life may have gotten in the way of it. Um, but also it might be, be one of the reasons might be because like you know, you're not trying enough new things, right? So I would really put an emphasis, especially like when you're in in university. To like go and just like sample all these things. It's one of the times in your life where you have like you have the time to do this. but you have the freedom to go and try other things. And like nine out of ten of them, you might go, you might try it, and you might be like, not for me. Honestly, just didn't enjoy that. But one in ten, you might go, fuck, that was interesting. I'll go back again. All right? And you don't don't think about it like long-term as in like, you know, okay, I'm gonna try out it DJing. It's like, oh. Do I want to be a DJ, right? So so don't worry about that. Just worry about, do you want to go back next week for like the next lesson or whatever else it is? And it's like, if the answer is yes, okay, go back again. And don't put pressure on yourself to be like, oh, is this something that a passion that I'm going to follow for like a very long time? Um, And another thing as well is like coming back to what I was talking about earlier in terms of like, which comes first, like the passion or your ability to be good at it. Like recognize that. So it's like there's sometimes... You might try something out, but if you're just playing around on the surface of it and you're not good at it, like, it'll usually feel shit. So don't worry, like, you need to try and separate. It's like, okay, am I not enjoying this because I just fundamentally don't enjoy what this thing is about or what the people who I would be hanging out with if I was doing this thing? Or is it because, like, I'm just not good at it yet? And that would, you know, look more like a bit of frustration around, like, the skill set. And if it's the latter, you know, then you need to say to yourself, well, maybe I should push through. Maybe I should spend a bit more time with this thing because on the other side of it, I can get a bit good at it and then I'll start to enjoy it and it'll become a passion. So, so that would be my, my thoughts on that. But just go and like, I know it's really like cliche advice, but like just try new things and like follow whatever you're curious about. And like, if you have a random idea that just comes in your head, it's like, huh, I, I really think I should like, I'd really look, love to look at hat design. Right. This is something I've been looking at. I, I get all these Instagram reels of like these guys who like make hats, like really nice hats. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I'd love to try that out. Like,
0: just try it out and see what happens. I think, from my own perspective, sort of, well, yeah, from my own perspective, one of the most important things that I realized at university was to have perspective and and, and try and gain that perspective. Uh, if I apply it to sort of my journey, I think it's very easy. Um, you know, someone might look at myself and be like, "Okay, he did history at UCL. Like, he clearly never struggled with academics, or at least relative to other people." But that was—I really did just put my head down for A-levels because I knew that I needed to to get into a good university. And then I picked history because it was what well, I was good at A-levels. That that just didn't transfer into university at all. And you know, I was at this point in second year where I was like, "Oh my god, there's so many people that are way better than me at history. I actually love history." And I'm just kind of here like, yes, with the the name UCL next to me, but not with the actual learnings or motivation to to study like someone at UCL should be. Um, Mm. And and I think what that made me do um, for a while, I was like, okay, I just wish I was really good at something like, you know, I wish something really just stood out to me. But then I also I was looking at people who were say really good at biology, or, and they were like, okay, well I should probably be a medic, and they start medicine year one, seven years ahead in the UK, and it's like they get to their third year and they're seeing all these people sort of actually figuring out what they want to do, um, and, and getting closer to it. Uh, yeah, they might not have it figured out, but like there's actually a problem in re- being really good at something from a really young age, is that yeah. you never challenge what you actually want, um. And I think if there's anything that I could sort of encourage people to do university is like, you know, if you're already good at something great, good for you, but almost have the mindset that you have nothing and you need to try and find out what that is. And and with me in my career, I was like, well, I'm not a consultant. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, and, and I could try and get that job and I could try and become part of that rat race. But really like to what avail, I don't want the lifestyle that they have. And I don't think I'd compete with my CV and, and that was why the graduate guy was actually like, okay, there's a p- burning problem here that a lot of people can relate to. And I think with my social confidence, whatever, I could play some part in solving. And you know, one thing leads to another. Yeah, you're at that that, that rut and that uh, you. perspective where you're, everything's against you and there's no way you're going to get out of this and there's no way that you're going to get a job. You, you like actually sort of t- tackling that head on and really thinking... Okay, let's make something out of this or unless yep. you got nothing, like, you know, the sink or, or swim mentality, really. 100%, but also recognizing, like, trying to be
1: uh, comfortable in that phase of not knowing what it is that you're mm-hmm. really good at or what you want to do, right? Because if you feel really uncomfortable in that, you're going to just latch onto something. You're go- You're going to just go, well, I should just be a consultant because at least then I'll have something, right? Whereas if you're able to say, okay, I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm doing stuff like I'm I'm figuring it out. it yeah. might take a little while, but but that's okay because it's worth it. Because when I have something that I really enjoy doing, the benefits of that are
0: huge. I think it, it's all good me me saying that. But it's all sort of one of the final things I want to touch on in in this episode is. Okay, like you have these passion projects, you have something that maybe you can make something out of this, but then there's still got to be a level of accountability to transform it into anything that could be, you know, interesting to anyone else, or like actually produce a product that is at all, you know, yeah, something that other people would want to consume or participate in or whatever. And, you know, that that accountability is just something that it's, it's really hard to get to. To grips with you know at any stage in life but again especially as a student because you 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 have it loads at school and you have it not at all at mm. um at university and even with a job like you have people these you know managers setting you these tasks and these goals and, and whatever but i think like if we just say it doesn't matter what time we're talking about school university whatever what do you think of some some healthy ways in general, some tick boxes that you could have to make sure that, okay, this is what healthy accountability looks like. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a great point. So I used to focus on um, like outcome goals, right? So these are like the actual results of the work that you do. And these like create a lot of pressure and actually aren't really that good, I think for accountability because you're not able to like directly influence like the outcomes all the time. So what I did was I switched to like process goals. And so this is the stuff that I'm in control in. For example, with the podcast that I run, I could have sat down at the start of this year and said, you know, I'm going to aim for like 100,000 downloads like this year or whatever else it is. But that's not in my control. I I don't directly control how many people download the episode every week. Um, What I can control is how often I put out episodes and how good they are right and so my process goal was i'm going to release an episode every single week this year that's it non-negotiable i can control that there's no reason that that cannot happen and so that creates what's that people need to say yes to coming
0: on as well assuming no but this
1: is the thing right because what would happen is there'd be a week where i wouldn't have a guest, right okay but my process goal was like well, shit i have to release an episode i fucked up i didn't organize a guest in time so now i've got to do a solo episode or i got to figure it out. But it's like, you create this like non, you you imagine, like I created this goal for myself, I'm my own manager. So I obviously could just like, you know, give myself an excuse. But you imagine that it's like this thing that's been like handed down from the universe, which is like, no, like I have to, like I have to create an episode like every single week. This is is non-negotiable for me. And because it's a process goal, it's easier to stick to. then i think the other one that works for me is creating like artificial external accountability so you know social pressure is actually really good if you can harness it in the right way so with this i actually i told a few people this right i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna release an episode every single week for the rest of the year like i'm telling you now i'm gonna do it and so now when it gets to that moment where I'm sitting there on a Wednesday and I'm like, I don't have an episode for this week, I have to go record one tomorrow, but I'm like, I'm really busy. And then I think, Fuck, I told them I told them I was going to release an episode every single week and now I'm gonna to have to tell them I failed at it. Right? That external accountability is is huge, right? Um and it has a huge impact. Like the last thing I'll say is like the kind of story about this, which is like I I started working with like um a nutritionist in the last month um to really get on like top of my diet and like I, I just always had this goal of like kind of taking my diet from like an 8 out of 10 to like a 10 out of 10 and essentially all they do is be a source of external accountability for me so like every day i have to tell them what i ate and they kind of get feedback but like not a whole lot but it's just a point th- that i have to tell them um, creates that accountability for me, and so it's like realize that, like you know, you're you're almost trying to like design your own incentive system, right? So it's like think of yourself as like a separate person, and be like, how does that person react to like incentives or to you know accountability? And then let me design a system for them, and then they have to live within it, right? So you design the system when you're in control, and then that the, the the other you who's like you 99 percent of the time now has to live within that system and like the accountability has been created for them and they're like oh i guess i just have to do this thing
0: i think for for me that's definitely the one i relate to most where and, and it's a weird thing where uh, sometimes it's almost an uncomfortable truth like the accountability that you're giving yourself like it's like oh, i know this would be good for me but in the moment that's not what i want to do uh it's it's just not but but ultimately you know if you're looking at all if you're honest with yourself the end of every week and you've not done the things that you're trying to hold yourself accountable, to that the the detrimental impact of that is far worse than you know ha- taking that that one little bit of extra accountability in in, in, a, in a certain aspect yeah. and i think the important thing as well is you know, definitely for me, it's not all got to come at once. It's not all got to come together in this one miraculous like, whoa, look at this guy, he's a new person. I think it definitely wasn't that for me. It, it's really a process of, you know, if you are taking the social pressures uh, model of accountability, some people have just got accountability. It's worth mentioning that. Some people just seem to be able to, within themselves, always read all the homework and then always have all the answers and whatever. Like, that was never me. So with the social pressure one, I think it's important to acknowledge that you're also, you know, as much as you're trying to prove something to yourself, you're trying to really prove to people that you've got this other, you know, string or boat, like, you know, I, I can do this. doesn't mean I can do that. But suddenly, you know, a year's time, that boat is looking a lot more attractive and people want to want have it. Um, yeah, so yeah, 100%. My final question to you, and you've been great. Um, yeah, it, it's really, really nice to speak to someone um, who... I think is is a bit of a sponge like myself um that we we like to take other people's opinions and perspectives and, and I think ultimately that's you know manifest ourselves and we are podcasters technically I don't think we <laughs> might not introduce ourselves as that but yeah that that is what we are and um yeah you must have had so many sort of different ideas or um opinions on this topic throughout your life but I want to know what your definition of success is uh, and how it's changed from maybe graduating and beginning at McKinsey to now, uh, with all your experience and what you've done now.
1: Yeah. Um, so when I was at McKinsey, if you'd asked me this question, I probably would say something like very myopic, which is like, you know, being a partner at McKinsey. That's my <laughs> version of success. Right. Um, now it's like a much more like holistic view of it. I actually wrote this. I wrote an essay, which is um, about what I think like my purpose is. Cause you've got these questions like, what's your purpose in life? Like what, what do you, what's the, what do you think the meaning of life is? Yeah. And so I always had this question and I ended up writing an essay on it. And I was like, look right now, here's what I think like the purpose of my life is. And there was like six things in it. And success for me is just essentially been able to to live my life doing those this those six things and it's really it's really simple it's not like success is not like a goal oriented thing for me it's just like each day each week am I doing the kind of things that that I find meaningful you know am I doing work that I enjoy Uh, am I being creative am I spending time with good people the type of people that I want to do uh, spend time with am I am I being active am I being outdoors like it's just like that it's a really simple view of of what a good life looks for me and and if I'm living that every week you know that's success and and honestly most of the time like most of my weeks look like that which is great so I kind of think that I'm living it now which is really good I think that you know deferred happiness is 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 really um challenging and so it encourage people not to like say success will be when I get X it's like well you know could you just have success now? Like could you think about what that might look for you right now rather than always deferring it into the future.
0: Dave you've been great. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Mate, my pleasure. My pleasure. I better run. I'm uh, I'm I'm, I'll 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 send you a WhatsApp later but I'm just press stop then, right? Yeah, just press stop. Yeah, yeah press up and then